Well, babe, we did it. We wrote a book. Yeah, man, it's it's actually surreal to even think about uh, that we wrote a book, had a baby, got married, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> <laughs> but the book is now available yeah. for pre-order, and we're so excited to share it with you. Oh, so looking forward to getting this book into your hands, to be in dialogue and conversation with all of you as we continue to liberate love from old imprints and codependent dynamics that keep us small, stuck, and stagnant. Yeah, you know, no matter your relationship status, this book walks you through what shaped you, why do you do what you do in relationship. It dives deep into your relationship blueprint, attachment styles, and most importantly, which is different than every other book that's ever covered codependency in the past, we explore the role of the nervous system in that. And the book is called Liberated Love. Yeah. Release your codependent patterns and create the love you desire. Go to createthelove.com slash liberated love to order your copy now. That's createthelove.com slash liberated love and get that pre-order in and you'll be able to get a free download of a meditation we created and a workbook that goes along with it. Much love and appreciation for your support. Much love. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to the Mark Groves Podcast. I'm your host, obviously, Mark Groves. That would make sense. And on this show, we explore human psychology, why we do what we do, and how do humans connect, and how do we create really thriving relationships, and how do we have a thriving relationship with ourselves. Please subscribe to the podcast, because that really helps me out and also allows you to get all the updated episodes with experts in all areas of human psychology and just general thriving in terms of life. Also check out my website, www.markgroves.tv to learn more about me and why I do what I do. Welcome to this episode of the Mark Groves Podcast, where I have my good friend, Amy Young, life coach extraordinaire, mm-hmm. former performer, although you didn't want me to say that, which made it, so I had to say that. Um, yeah. You know, we're just going to get right into it. Amy and I became friends via Twitter. Twitter oh my right? God. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. My social media game is strong. I got to say that I got a girlfriend from it. I got a bunch <laughs> of great friends and colleagues from it. Yeah. Amy Young, if you were to give a synopsis of what you do, share it with these lovely people. Cool. I would love to. And I would also just love to say thank you for having me, Mark. And I love having you as a, a friend and a peer. And I'm so excited that you're podcasting. Me. Yeah. So my... <laughs> My work, um, <laughs> so you now, yeah. so me, my work is primarily centered around changing how people think about relationships and approach dating and relationships. Specifically, I work mostly with single women and I really, uh, work to help empower single women with, oh man, all kinds of different tools, like understanding themselves, you know, looking at like patterns and cycles, um, understanding what it is that they're really looking for, how to have fun in the dating process, like setting yourself up for success and making it. I know that's something I've been thinking about a lot. We should talk about that. Yeah. Well, why can't it be fun? 
Anyway, sorry. So no, 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 no. Well, no, yeah. So no, quick intro, and then we'll dive into that. And yeah, well, and it's funny, right? Because that's why I think, like you saying, I have a background in performance. Um, I was a comedian. I was an actor before I was a coach um, or an online creator, and that influenced my work so much. Where you know, I think most people, what they kind of will like about my take on things is that I am very silly and irreverent and sort of like, let's not take this shit so seriously because it doesn't serve us. You do. And like your YouTube videos, oh my God, they are funny. So I I mean, I fully agree with you. I mean, this is why, you know, I say we love each other, which I'll just speak for you so that we Mm -hmm. don't have to, I'll just assume emotions, which is a bad thing to do, by the way, people. Don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. But I love that it is fun because, you know, the amount of people from New York, I love people from New York, but the amount of mm-hmm. people from New York that I hear say dating is just hard in New York, L.A., yeah. but insert city, right? Like just insert yeah. the city because it's this belief that it's hard to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, anything you take on the perspective of challenge hard is like, now it's not fun anymore. Then it yeah. feels like a job. Yeah. But like finding love isn't a job. And if it feels like a job, you might want to take a step back. Well, and it's it's also just something I've been thinking about a lot is that it's so culturally accepted at this point that it's going to be hard. And that like, for whatever reason, where we are as a society and like what with the millennials and whatnot, like we're all screwed relationship wise and dating wise. Isn't that the message we send? We're like, grandparents are just like, you know, they don't love like we did in my day. Shit. A lot of you didn't even love each other. I know. Don't be projecting your bullshit onto this generation. Well, and then we just, accept that bullshit. And, and then to go against that, like I piss people off when I'm like, when people, when I meet people and they're like, oh man, dating sucks. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That's not my experience at all. People like, people don't like hearing that, you know, like that's an unpopular opinion to be like, no, actually dating is fun. Or I enjoy myself or, oh my gosh, it's going well. Or I'm learning a lot. It's like, people don't like that. People would rather get together and complain about it. Yeah. And then they create circles of complaining, yeah. you know, where everyone's like, oh, you validate my belief. No, here's the thing, of course, right? When we say, no, dating should be fun, mm-hmm. should, should be fun. It's like, it, there is an invalidation of their experience. I get that. Yeah, I think the perspective difference that really comes is all of a sudden it's like, how are you dating? That's not fun. Yeah, Like that actually is a really good, you know, what's not fun being with people who aren't fully choosing, mm-hmm. dating people who break our rule breakers, our deal breakers, mm-hmm. rule breakers, red flags, whatever the deal breaker. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not fun. Yeah. Hanging on to people who are not our person. Not fun. Yeah. Texting with someone who doesn't text us back. Not fucking fun. Yeah. Well, and like the inner game of it, too, like placing your worth and validation in what your relationship status is. That's really not fun. You know, thinking that you have to change yourself in order to attract anyone. That's not fun. Like all of these sort of, I think, um, accepted myths about what it takes to secure a a good relationship or like a viable partner. Like, oh, you know, you have to be desirable in this way and you need to play it cool and you need to, you know, forget about like what you want or what it is like you're going to have to settle. Like, I'm sorry, but like none of those things, (laughs) none of those things make me would make me want to date. Like all of those things would make me be like, why the hell would I want to do that? That sounds really miserable and inauthentic and, and the opposite of fun. And 
you know, anytime you're, you're totally right. Like anytime something becomes like a job or it's like something we have to do, like, oh man, I have to log into those dating apps. Like if that's your attitude on it, you're not going to want to do it. And I really am a firm believer, like that is going to go with you into those experiences. And if you think that you can leave that energy and those feelings at home and show up in your dating life and be like, gosh, uh, What's the word I want to use? Be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know. like be fun and bring your best self to a situation. Like you're not going to be able to, and it's going to rub off on other no. people. It's like showing up at work in your cubicle, yeah. you know, showing up to a date and you're like, let's just get this done. I know. And we've oh all been God. there. Like, I mean, I think it's also, sure. yeah. Like, I don't think, I think it's unrealistic to think, oh, it's, you know, it's going to be like, yeah, sunshine and puppies all of the time. But to recognize that it can be sun, it can be sunshine and puppies at all is like a good thing to just open up to. Yeah. I mean, sunshine and cats too. No, cats, I mean, kittens. Okay. I'll take kittens. Kittens. Yeah. <laughs> Why? So that is a, I mean, I guess in my experience of when I was dating, you know, a, a lot, mm -hmm. I guess is, is right. I do remember going on a date with a girl who was a Canucks fan, the Vancouver Canucks. Mm -hmm. And I was from Calgary at the time I lived in Calgary. And I was like, oh, right away. I was like, this chick's <laughs> out, you know? And I do remember, this was the first time I went on a date, online date. Uh -huh. I had dinner with her. And I remember leaving that online dating experience being like, she was nice, right? But she was a Canucks fan and you got to have your deal breakers. <laughs> and obviously I was a little more close-minded then. I really didn't obviously want to let anyone in because I chose, that would have been great con competition. <laughs> but so what was interesting though, is after I was like, why did I just spend like a hundred dollars on a dinner yeah. with someone who I really didn't want to have dinner yeah. with when I'm like, okay, now my dating strategy is coffee first. Mm -hmm. You know, and not alcohol because alcohol leads to other things. Mm -hmm. Usually, mm -hmm. maybe just I, usually. I love how I just generalize <laughs> for the whole population. Like they don't get to choose. For me, if I drank alcohol on a first date, yep. then it was likely going to lead to other things. Mm -hmm. And so, like knowing when you're going into the dating world, like when you're working with these women mostly, mm -hmm. and I know you do work with men too. You know, how often are they really clear on what their true dating intention is? That's such a good question. I think it's something that people kind of have a sense of like, oh, yeah, I know what I want. I want a relationship. And then they don't necessarily do the the digging work of being like, well, what is a relationship really about for me? And like, what do I need from a person? And who do I want to be in relationships and get really specific about it? I think... There's a resistance to doing that because the belief system in place is if I do that, then that means that I'm limiting myself. So if I like raise the bar, I'm really, I'm like captain raise the fucking bar. Like I am like y'all, like your standards need to be at least 14 times higher than they are right now. And that when you, once you do raise the bar and you accept that reality and you're like, okay, no, I do need to be specific about what I'm looking for. I need to tolerate way less bullshit. I need to be clear about what I really, really want from a partner and what my deal breakers are. And I need to like really accept that this is like non-negotiable for me because this is a relationship we're talking about, not like a purse or a pair of shoes. Like this is arguably one of the biggest decisions I'm going to make in my life. So I have to take it seriously in that way. Once people get to that place, the whole process is a lot easier, but there's a lot of resistance to doing that. Yeah. Because it's like, uh oh no, like I'm already just attracting like losers and dumbbells. Like, 
uh, now I'm really going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to be like dating no one if I raise my standards, which is, which is uh, not accurate. Yeah. Of course. Uh, Right. Because we're filling space with these (laughs) dumbbells, (laughs) douche canoes or whatever the term we want to use. We're like holding space with them. And then we're upset that someone great isn't entering space. You know, what you say is so important for people listening to understand is that if you do not raise the fucking Mm -hmm. bar, you will not believe you're worthy of what's above Mm -hmm. the bar. Mm -hmm. You know, like you'll lower your standard and give your time to people who are not. And that sends a direct message that you are worthy of those people like gaslighters. Oh, no. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Crazy makers. You know, that type of stuff where it's like, yeah, crazy makers. And of course, you got to go crazy when you believe that. (laughs) going to go crazy. I get you. If if you believe lies over the truth, you'll have to go crazy because you can only live in a world where lies are the truth as a crazy person. That's just reality. And then when they're like, you're crazy. And you're like, yeah, of course I'm crazy because you lie all the time. And I believe your lies. I know. That's a whole other process. I'll get like real fired up. But it's so, isn't it just like interesting how we kind of will set ourselves up Uh, to be like disappointed or to fail in this process because we're just like, I think I maybe just have to like take what I can get and limit myself in that way. Which of course, again, going back to what we were talking about, like, you know, about it being fun. It's like, well, that's not any fun. Like thinking that you're going to have to just put up with BS or like deal with someone who doesn't care about the things that you care about on any level or who has no idea like how to be a partner for you or isn't interested in learning how to be a partner for you. That's misery inducing. But I think it's really weird. And I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this. When I think there's an idea that, well, I need to like raise my self-esteem. Like I need to like love myself more in order for me to feel worthy of those high value partners. And what I actually tend to find works a lot better is no, is actually to say like, no, start choosing things that are like high value (laughs) partners, like start saying no to the stuff that you know, you don't want start like before you're ready, like before your self-esteem is high, before you really love yourself, like start choosing things from that place and like following that mode of behavior. Like if I did love myself, I probably wouldn't keep dating this liar. Right. And then the feelings follow. Like that's one of my favorite quotes from Steve Chandler, who's a, who's like a coach guru person. He says, you know, feelings follow behavior. And I think a lot of the times we assume it needs to be the opposite that like, oh no, once I love myself, then I'll start uh, feeling better about like who I can date and who, and like saying no to, to low value partners. But in my experience, it's usually the other way around. Like you have to start training yourself to say no to what you know, isn't right for you in order for you to actually believe that you deserve more. Yeah, I fully agree. Like you have to choose your way to the feelings you want to feel in that, like exactly what you're saying. You don't, cause that's the perfectionist mindset. Mm. Like when I get here, then Mm -hmm. when I do this, then, but it's always an ever moving target. You know, it's like you get the thing and then you never get to get the yeah. thing because you just change the thing. And it's like when I get this, you know, I've even worked with people when they're in a bad relationship that doesn't shift. Right. They've tried to shift and it doesn't shift. And they're like, well, I'll just date them till I meet someone. Yeah. new." And I'm like, yeah, because someone new is going to come along and be like, I love that person who's afraid to leave their relationship <laughs> and they're dating someone huge and I'm going to be so excited to enter their life. Hell no. Right. Yeah. Like. 
like you have to become the type of person you want people like the type of person you want. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you want high values, high integrity, high, whatever, you have to be that in every aspect. And mm-hmm. you know, it's so true in, in what you're saying that the feeling follows the choice. So you have to start where you're at. Yeah. And of course, like what I found fascinating that's different between men and women, at least in my experience, is that men's non-negotiables like deal breakers, which could be like drinking, not drinking, kids, no kids, Mm -hmm. marriage, not marriage, smoking, not smoking. Like men's non-negotiables are Mm -hmm. (laughs) non-negotiable. Like their deal breakers don't move, but women's will often in order to accommodate a partner because there's more of an evolutionary need for a relationship for a female, which I'm not, it's, it's needed for both, but I just mean from a long-term nesting marriage kids, right? That's perspective. I agree with that. So then often women believe that men non-negotiables or deal breakers are flexible, but oh, they're that's not. really interesting. Yeah. No, that's totally true. And I think that's another reason why, you know, it's sometimes easy for women. Like if, you know, when I've had clients who maybe were involved with guys who like weren't commitment ready or who weren't interested in just committing to them because these women would sometimes like waffle on those types of things or not say what they mean or be like, Oh no, maybe I could change my mind. They'll be like, well, he's probably like that too. (laughs) You know, like he's just saying this now, maybe (laughs) he'll change his mind. Maybe he will be commitment ready. Maybe he will choose me as a partner. And I think it takes a lot of work to really, and I think that probably, I mean, that can go both ways. Obviously I think that it tends to go more that way. But yeah, yeah, but it's like, right. It's like, we have a lot of people and this is like human behavior 101, you know, well, shitty human behavior 101 is like not really saying what we mean, not really doing what we say, not really holding ourselves accountable, not really feeling comfortable holding other people accountable because we do all of those things with ourselves. And then we're supposed to like come together and be like, let's build this beautiful life thing. Yeah, based on all yeah. of these and fear of actually saying yeah. what we mean. You know how hard it is to operate a relationship even when you say I what know. you mean? You know, like when you're not saying what you mean and you want them to read your mind so that they can figure out the Da Vinci code of I your know. heart. It's like, Jesus. You know, I I found that a lot with, this happens a lot, I think. And we'll just, if for people, I'm being heteronormative, but in homosexual relationships, same-sex relationships, there it will just say the more masculine partner versus the more feminine partner. But I find this a lot that like a man will potentially just want to, you know, hook up, bang, touch the, the mm-hmm. hoo-ha or, or the ding yeah. right? And, you know, however it looks. And what happens is the other person says, yeah, I just want mm-hmm. that too. But really they want a relationship, usually mm-hmm. the female or the more feminine partner. And what ends up happening though, is then they're like, well, I'll just bang them till mm-hmm. I get a relationship out of them. Cause they'll change what they want. But, and then they get mm-hmm. mad after when the person actually doesn't change what they said they didn't want. Like, I don't want a relationship. And the other person's like, fuck yeah. you. Like you misled me all this yeah. time. And it's like, the responsibility is on the person who chose it too, because you were being a little mm-hmm. trickster. You were trying to bait and switch, which is illegal yeah. in stores. Where you're like, come get this thing for nine ninety nine. Oh, by the way, we don't have any in stock. Yeah. It's another thing. You know, and I, I think there's a high level of responsibility that we don't take in booty calls and in these physical relationships where we're actually not honoring ourselves and then we're mad at them. But that's just a projection because we're mad at ourselves. For I not honoring. completely agree. And that's a hard, huge horse pill to swallow. <laughs> 
Oh God! When you take that, when I had to take responsibility for my bullshit, I could tell you, I still have. It's like, oh, it's like, wait, that's my fault. But I've been making it everyone else's fault. Wait, it's my responsibility to get my Mm -hmm. needs met, not theirs to meet my needs. Yeah, I posted something about that. I think last week, really, where it's like essentially the main message about it is like, you know, people are allowed to do what they want to do in relationships with you. Like everyone's allowed to do what they want. And sometimes, you know, when I'm talking to clients or just girlfriends or people or whatever, and they're like, well, he can't do that. You know, like I gave him a blowjob at my sister's wedding. Like he can't just like go hook up with this other person. And I'm like, he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Just like you can, just like you did apparently. And it's, you know, I'm not saying that to like, shame anyone or to be like you you're not no blow jobs at oh, jobs. a brilliant <laughs> idea just like always um that old that old tradition you know but <laughs> actually i did see something did you see this this viral wedding photo like i guess as like a joke this couple did a like a really beautiful classy wedding photo where the bride is on her knees and it looks like she's giving the oh, i'll no send it way. to you it's no, pretty funny um I'll post it on the link just to keep <laughs> yeah, things classy. <laughs> but but yeah, people are allowed to do what they want and we have to like own that so that we can actually give ourselves permission to be like, oh, okay, so I need to kind of like, you know, look out for myself and make sure that I'm honoring whatever my boundaries and limitations are. And I need to accept my boundaries and limitations. Like it was a really dark day for me when I realized I couldn't have casual sex anymore. I was like, I hate this. That's really a bummer. Like I'm like, I Oh my God. I remember that day too. And I was like, wait, I'm responsible for my own and shame. And wait, I'm creating this. It was so annoying. I was like, no, but I just want to be able to go out. I just want to, I want to have fun. Like, You know? And what do you mean? Like, oh, I had to actually recognize like, that's not fun for me. You know, like doing that only produces negative feelings for me and complicated relationships. And like, it makes me feel all these like weird, wacky ways. Like I'm going to stop doing this thing that in theory, I wish I could do in, in a perfect world. Maybe that would be great if I didn't have a complicated response to physical intimacy, but that's not the world that I live in. No, I, same with me. And I think I'm going to argue, although for the people listening, if this triggers you, there's likely truth in it because there was truth for me when I first heard it is like, there's almost always pain associated with casual mm-hmm. connections on a deeper level, because when we are just in these fleeting moments, there is a sense of like, that's yeah. all I'm worth. You know, that's the deeper message we send to ourselves. And when I actually started to take responsibility for that message that I was sending to myself, which I do think men are more capable. I mean, from an oxytocin perspective, we know that's true to like separate sex, like a bonding experience relationship, but it's never gone. That's a belief that we've created for men that we are able to just be sexual without being loving. But when we actually have access to our emotions, we see that that's untrue. When I actually had to take responsibility for that, you know, and, and there is this, a responsibility to the person that we're being mm-hmm. sexual with mm-hmm. too, you know, like how on a deeper compassionate level, when we see like, how does someone have to feel about themselves to just, you know, like drink to the sense of yeah. blackout or to whatever, or do drugs to the sense of blackout. You know, I saw that I was drinking in order to reduce mm-hmm. my values and it would numb them so that I could access these other parts of me. And then what would happen is I was, I was tra- like time traveling, you mm-hmm. know, blacking out through mm-hmm. connections. 
like, and connection was the most important thing in my life. And here I was numbing it and not yeah. experiencing it and, you know, not respecting myself, which thereby not respecting mm -hmm. the person I'm with. And, oh, that was, a, oh, that was a, that was a dark That's day depressing. of awareness. <laughs> oh, it was a dark day of awareness. But on the beautiful sense is like the moment I took responsibility for not being able to have casual sex yeah. anymore. I had a couple bumps in the road. Oh, sure. Pun intended. <laughs> where I stepped outside of integrity again to realize what my yeah. integrity was. So, you know, I had a lot of shame and guilt when I would do that. And then I would come back to, okay, this is just like, when are you going to mm -hmm. learn? You know, <laughs> like, when mm -hmm. are you going to learn? And it just, the more aware I got, the more incapable I was. But of course, the more compassionate I could be for other people who were me, who are me, yeah. whatever, you know, all that. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm such a big proponent too, of like, everyone is an individual and like, you know, we all do ultimately have to decide, you know, what is okay with me and what's not okay with me, like what works and what doesn't work. And I really do believe like it should, it should be different for everybody, you know, cause we're all really unique and multifaceted, but I will say it is astonishing to me, like the vast volume of people that I work with who come to that same conclusion, you know, like, I don't think that that's, I don't think that that's like accidental or it's like that. And, and I'm, you know, there's exceptions to every rule and there might be, there are people who can maybe just have like completely casual sex and it, it doesn't have any kind of emotional aftermath and effect. I'd say they're bypassing. Well, I'm like, yeah, I get the gray area, but I, I would say that there's some level of bypassing that's happening. I think you can have sex with, you know, both clear mm -hmm. intentions. I do think that's possible. It's a, for the most part. I just don't know. I just don't experience. Yeah. Fun. I don't know a lot of people like that. You know, that's the main thing is like, I'm like, I'm sure that those people exist. I just don't, I don't know a lot of them. Yeah. They're going to, yeah. No, yeah. don't worry. But you know, okay. So I, I was really fascinated by like, I think there's a lot of focus on men being more casual sex. And now, you know, women have more access to their sexuality and sexual freedom and all those things from a society in some places mm -hmm. in the world. I was really sort of interested in how, like, I remember I dated this girl, you know, about 10 years ago, where I realized that she had a guy for sort of every <laughs> part of her life that she needed. So she had like a guy. Yeah, you've told me about this one before. And she had another guy. Yeah, yeah who has, she had like a guy who would take her for dinner. <laughs> yeah. And then she had a guy who would do this. And I was really interested because I was the guy who would pay for dinner, but then never would get access. So I was yeah. the nice guy who who decided to pay for dinner. It was awful. She wasn't a Canucks fan, at least. That's about the only saving grace. But what was really interesting when I was able to see it is like, I could then identify other people who had, where I saw women holding these spaces where they had these guys on the hook, these, these like, where they would give them this feeling of just possibly you'll get a relationship, but you're never mm -hmm. going to. So I'll get the things I need from you, but on and using that power of the feminine, which really, let's be honest, there's a lot of power mm -hmm. in there. Do you ever work with clients like that? Where do you see that coming from? It's a really from? good question. You know, what's really funny is my immediate response is like, I don't see that a lot. In cases where I do see that, it's usually coming out of a fear of, it's, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. So there's a fear of being alone. Like it's like, mm -hmm. but there's also a, there coupled with that is. 
I would say like a healthy dose of like unworthiness because it's like, I'm not actually going to, again, take a stand and assert what it is that I really want, which is a relationship with one person who can meet most of my needs instead of like a smattering of different people who can meet all these different needs. Like, I'm not actually going to go into the deep end with a person or I'm not going to assert that that's what I really want because I believe that I'm unworthy of that or that's not possible for me. And I also do think that there's, See, it's really interesting because I think there's a lot of levels here. Good question, Mark. So there's like... Yeah, I think there is There's too. a feeling... I think also yeah. like the majority of women that I work with, um, and part, partly it's like so much of what my video content is about, is about cultivating resilience and having been through the relationship ringer before and getting to a place where you realize that shit doesn't define me and it actually serves me. So I work with a lot of women who have been deeply hurt, betrayed, who have lost themselves in relationships, who have been mistreated. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times I think that will lead people to swing to the opposite side of the pendulum where it's like, I need to protect myself and be really powerful in relationships because when I have been vulnerable before, I get dicked over. So I'm going to go over to this other place where it makes me feel safer to maybe have this guy who's a really good friend who's like kind of like we snuggled once while we were watching a movie in my basement, but that's as far as it went. Oh no, she was for sure like a boner creator. <laughs> she liked to just create yeah. boners and then and then be like... Well, and that's that powerful. You know, here's some coconut that's, oil. Actually, coconut oil was yeah, popular. Like back. being withholding in that way is powerful. It like makes people feel safe. Like it's like I am wanted and I have options, but I'm not entertaining any of them. You know, that's like having. Isn't that so yeah. powerful? Like I will control the depth of this connection. Don't fuck with me. Yeah. In a lot of ways is that of like, now granted, she came from a lot of pain. Exactly. Like a real painful yeah. breakup before that, which is, you know, kind of obvious. But the other thing from the other side of things. So like, if I'm just, of course this flips. So for anyone listening, this could be any gender yeah. combination. Just so you, if you get fired up about it, it happens yeah. on both sides. But the other side of the nice guy that often takes on the role of the, let me get your yes. car fixed for you. There's a hidden intention of I'll fix your car. And this happens a lot with men. They'll do this nice mm -hmm. thing, but it's really on the condition. That's why, you know, like Robert Glover's work was like, nice guys are actually mm -hmm. anything but nice. Because there's this secret intention of like, I'll do this for you conditionally. And when you don't, all of a sudden I'll lose my shit because you were never giving me the yeah. secret contract yeah. that I made with you. So both people are totally yeah. out of integrity and the guy is responsible for the other side. So don't get me wrong. I was responsible because I was pissed because I wasn't standing up for my truth. I was buying these dinners, but secretly I wanted a relationship and she told me, well, actually it wasn't secret. <laughs> she told me that she didn't. And I was like, well, I'll just keep having dinner with you and yeah. I'll just be so nice that eventually why wouldn't she choose me? And then let me tell you, it's obvious. But, I, th you know, I think we all know the outcome. What's amazing totally. is how fucking good it feels to be like, yeah, this isn't going to work for me anymore. <laughs> it's wow, like, it? like, I don't want yeah. to buy you dinner anymore. Stop like, using me. Oh, wait, I let you. underestimate like, the powerful drug <laughs> that is a line. Oh, boundaries. it is like, especially if you're someone who, and I can say all this because, and I think you could say the same thing because like, we've been there. We get it. Like oh, I have been <laughs> on both sides. Of uh, me too. And it fun. took me like, I mean, we're talking like years of, yeah, like stumbling my way through it. But once like I, oh, oh for sure. No. And once I like, you know, flipped that switch of like, oh, if someone can't give me what I need or doesn't want what I want, 
if I just tell them like, this isn't working for me and I detach and walk away, I feel like such a boss. Like, I'm sorry, did I just step into a Beyonce music video? Because I feel amazing. Seriously. And like, yeah. Otherwise, well, you feel like Adele. Right? Oh, no one wants oh, to feel sad, like Adele. sad Adele outside the house. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the thing about it is, it's like yeah. I think people always look. Well, I can't, I can't say, you know, I don't want to buy you dinner anymore, or these casual hookups aren't working because I'm going to lose so much. You know, then he won't want to hang out with me at all. And it's like, no, 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 no. You're going to gain a shit ton. Like you're going to feel. So like, and yes, will there be a, like a sort of crappy period of like, oh man, but I liked having them around or those blowjobs were so good. Or he was really good at fixing my car. Yes. Like you're allowed to have, you're allowed to be (laughs) bummed out about that. But what comes up like after the fact of like, whoa, it feels really, really good to actually be honoring my worth consistently and be like validating myself instead of wishing that this other person would validate me. Yeah. And seeing that you're giving your power away, actually, when you get the person to fix your car, you get the person, you're saying, I'm actually not worthy, as you said, of being fully chosen. And when I think about that perspective, you know, being on the other end of not having the boundary of not, if people listening could understand how big of an aphrodisiac it is to have boundaries, like you will have people wanting to hump you. Like a whole new caliber of people. Like, yeah, they'll put effort into the blowjob. It won't be one of those lazy, like, like you're eating a carrot kind of thing. But like a real, a real, yeah, yeah. Like where they care about what they're doing. I was listening to this funny uh, YouTube video that was from a lesbian and she was giving Uh advice to straight guys. sounds great. She said in it, oh my God, it's so funny. She's like, I just have to make an effort. I send flowers and it's like the floodgates. And so, and she says it and she goes, here's my first piece of advice. However often you're going down on her, double it, triple it, quadruple it. And she's like, and if you're sitting there and you're about to open your mouth and debate and you're about to say something, she's like, you need to get that mouth down on some <laughs> gym jam and get moving. Oh my God. <laughs> and you know, it's funny actually, when I was younger, my sister's nine years older than me and this to people might disturb them, um, just the advice that she gave me. But I remember I was like 14 or 15 and she's a lot older than me. And she's like, listen, Mark. And I was like, I think at the time, you know, Google didn't exist. I was using like a search engine on like, how do you go down on chicks? Yeah. Yeah. My sister said, uh, let me give you one piece of advice, Mark. And I was like, uh, what? And she was like, yeah, just learn how to go down on a chick and she will do anything for you. (laughs) And I remember being like, ugh, like, what are you talking about? And then I was like, as soon as she left us on the internet, I'm yeah. like, how to go down. All and I bet time. it, and it, and it, I bet it took you really far. I bet it's taken you really far <laughs> because you should call her after this and say, thank you. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think I have actually appreciated that, but you know, of course, if, um, yes, this a, that was a story he made up. <laughs> oh, it was just a joke. Yeah. yeah. It's not true. But yeah, you know, that's I, mean, fine. I, I don't know that went real off kilter. But, but it, no, I guess to bring it all back of that idea of having these people who serve roles in our life versus being very clear with what we actually want. It's realizing that when we're so hurt that we actually create, yeah. um, control the level of connection with people, yeah. we're actually hurting people. So, you know, that like idea of hurt people, hurt people, mm-hmm. we are responsible for our part of everything. And, you know, I think that can be often, you know, like even if someone cheats on us or leaves us, we're still responsible for how we co-created it. 
in some way. And that man, for me to understand that when I was young, I couldn't have, you know, like I remember I had a girlfriend that cheated on me. And I remember my friend saying like, how did you create mm. this? And I was like, mm, fuck you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I didn't create mm-hmm. this. Like she stepped out, she did this. But the truth was, is I just had really poor boundaries and I didn't honor yeah. the red flags that were so early on. You know, it's like, don't pay attention to that fucking base camp at Everest that's going off yeah. and the fireworks yeah. that aren't romantic fireworks. But yeah. Like, and I think I think the tricky you know. thing about that, because I couldn't agree more, obviously, like step one is like taking ownership, like being aware enough of yourself and the circumstances that you're in to be like, OK, I'm not just a, like a victim here and this isn't just happening to me. Like what what's my part in it? It's interesting because I think and I don't know if you'll agree with this. I think women sometimes will almost maybe men too, but I think I see it more with women. Women will go way too far on the opposite end of the spectrum to be like, I created all of this. Like it's all my fault. And, and where they take too much responsibility, you know, where it's like, it must be me. I think that is, that's something, you know, because, and I think that comes from like our brains always just want things to be all or nothing or black and white. And, you know, it's just like duality just exists where it's like, well, it's surely it's someone's fault. So it's either him or it's me. Like, which one am I going to pick? When in reality, it's like, no, like it's, it's 50, 50, 60, 40, 45, 55. Like it's always this two way street and this like dance that's happening of like, who are we together and how were we together? And, you know, as a result of us coming together at this time with these specific circumstances, how did we produce this result? And being willing to take ownership of what you can and absolve yourself of what you could not control or what you weren't aware of or what the other person's bullshit was, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the stages of grief too, you know, when you mm-hmm. go through breakup and you go through denial and, and that really protects our self-worth, but you're so right. You know, we've placed, we've socialized and, and cultured women in general to place their value in their relationship status and in yeah. maintaining relationship and community. So it's so like really a lot of my thinking or like the work and I'm sure similar work for you is, is really separating yeah. people from their evolutionary mind versus what is reality and like is your self-worth in your relationship no and of course like knowing that is Mm -hmm. true is very different than feeling like that is true because you could say like i'm still a great woman despite my marriage falling apart but can you say that because most people can't say that and and if they do say it it's this false sense of self in that it's like there's walls around it and it's very like um uh, like stoic in order to mm-hmm. not see the the pain that's really below. It. Say more about that. What do you mean by the pain that's really below it? Well, mm-hmm. to say like, I'm fine. I don't need yes, yes, anyone. Yes, yes, yes. I don't want to depend on, and you know, that's really, we have, we have cultured women yeah. in, especially post patriarchy to, you know, feminism sort of like radicalized this, this like unavailability where it's like, don't need a man, don't depend on a man. And then you have daughters of moms who saw that happen, devastation. And you have sons of mothers who saw their mothers get devastated. So we have all the, like, and that's where the nice guy sort of steps in of like, I don't want to hurt mm-hmm. people because I saw my mom get so hurt. And then you have mm-hmm. these women who are like, don't need anyone, which is kind of this crazy, like, don't depend on anyone, don't need anyone. And if that's not clarified, then yeah. it, it here's like, don't let anyone in. But, you know, like we know in the research, but just we just know this. But if you can depend on someone, if you can need mm-hmm. them, you're more likely to do more things, to take more risks, to be more open to. 
And that's such a hard thing to yeah. separate, you know? Like I can usually pick up the energy in a woman who's been really hurt or abused or assaulted or anything because they tend to have a very masculine energy. Mm. Isn't that really interesting? Because I think there's a lot of, there's so much like desire and I will have conversations with a lot of women who want to achieve this level of like, yeah, independent woman, like I'm unfeeling, unaffected, imperturbable. Like no one can make me feel anything. And that's not strength. Yeah. That's not, you know, like that's, that's not, no, and it's not real. That's not a real um, word, you know? And what I think what we're really doing when we do that, and I've done that before, is we're just turning the volume down on our humanity in a big way. Like we're just really wanting to like power down our emotions or our desires or, uh, you know, on our core level, like the things that we know to be really true, which is that human beings are wired to connect and that we long for love. Like no matter what that kind of, that flame doesn't really get extinguished. Like you can, you can turn it down, but it's still like a flame. There's still something burning there. And it is. And you can't ignore the fire, you know. No, it's true. Well, and I think it comes. It ends up coming out in really weird ways, where it's like you know, then when you do meet someone that ignites that flame, or like, oh my gosh, I'm just overcome by this connection. You know, if that doesn't go the way that you want it to go, or if that connection doesn't prove fruitful or healthy or positive or whatever, then we just end up using that as more evidence to steal ourselves away. Right. So I think it's a really dangerous place to be in, to want to be, you know, totally like independent, isolated. I don't need anybody. It's not true. It's like, yeah, we do. We all fucking do. <laughs> of course we do. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of like having people think of the child within them, the little kid who's yeah. like, who's honoring and loving that child, yeah. you know, like having walls around it may preserve it, but there's never love that gets in. Mm -hmm. And we just have this deep desire for connection and touch and love. And, you know, even, you know, I think we're in this generational switch now where we're like the pendulums coming back where we have, you know, very purpose driven women, like, which is amazing, right? Like, go get yours. I, I totally agree with that. And when you take on this really masculine role in relationship, we often attract feminized men. And then they're like, I have these men, they just let me walk all over them. And it's like, yeah, because you're wearing some deep stilettos, mm -hmm. man. And the guy's laying down because there's, how do you attract a man when you're taking the role of masculine? And you're going to attract those types of people. And of course, it's on the man to have his own side of boundaries, yeah. and all those things. But a man can't step into a space that there's mm -hmm. no space. You know, and that's, and I mean that on any gender dynamic, it will always be this masculine feminine sort yeah. of dynamic. And, and to see like, no one wins when we're in this reactive space. If I can't let you in, I can't, or when they're about to love us, we might push them away or sabotage. Mm -hmm. That's sneaky. I know. It's like, well, I think that underlying narrative is like, when I let people love me, they like, we all have this narrative, the story that plays out that we prevent from yeah. playing out. You know, I, you know, I remember, um, I remember dating this girl who said to me, I'm afraid to hurt you. And I said, well, at what point does that happen? Like, how does the story play out where you hurt me? Because you've already created it in your mind that we get to this place where I don't have the skills or the ability to move mm -hmm. past something. And she was like, that's a <laughs> Mark, these poor women, these poor women who just think that they're dating like your average run of the mill dude. <laughs> 
Well, I am an average run in the mill, dude. I just you're like, <laughs> well, no, you are, but yeah, but like, right? Who's not afraid to like step up and be like, well, what is like, what's that story, or what are you really saying here? Because that's another thing too that I think women are at a place and like, you know, as in terms of like this sort of type of woman that we're talking about who is like passionate or ambitious or driven, who doesn't quote unquote like meet a man in the traditional sense, but like would you know, would like a, a partner or an equal partner or whatever. I think we are craving more men to be willing to step in to that role of like, you know, yeah, challenge me or ask me the hard question or call me out on my bullshit. I sent so many people that article that you wrote, you know, what is it? Like, are you something about the highly evolved man you say you want? Like, are you really ready for the highly evolved or why you're not ready? Are you ready yeah. for the man? Yeah. yeah, I really love that piece because it's true. And I remember reading that and there's a line in it sort of where it's like, you know, you as a as a woman, we're usually used to being the ones who get to kind of like sit in the emotional driver's seat <laughs> and be, you know, yeah, and to yeah. be with someone who really challenges that is um, it's desirable on an intellectual level to a lot of women, but to actually be in the position where like, oh no, like he is going to call me out and meet me at that level. And it's not just going to be me being like, hey, like let's be vulnerable together or whatever. That's a scary thing. Oh my God, it's so scary to actually meet your match. Like I remember I was talking to uh, Kelly Marceau. She's a great writer. And I remember she's a wonderful human. The first call I ever had with her, I remember her saying to me, Groves, have you ever actually let a woman fucking love you? And I was like, <laughs> like let's, uh, we're going to reschedule, actually. Like, wait. Yeah, I was like, aren't I interviewing you? Yeah. What's happening here? I got to go. But yeah, it was this really beautiful mirror to be like, wow, I have been running from hurt mm -hmm. for 14 years. You know, like, I've actually not let someone love me, including my fiance. You know, in, in five years, never really gave her access past a certain point. And, you know, I used to think that was the relationship that, like, lacked any form of connection or whatever, in some respects, obviously not the whole thing. But where I was able to be like, wow, I actually just never let any woman in 14 years past a certain point where I had been devastated before. And that was a huge level of responsibility to all of a sudden be like, okay, now what? Now I cannot choose women who are unavailable on any level. And that was a really cool moment. I mean, maybe on some level, you know, micro micro versions, but I was definitely dating women who were just out of relationships. I was dating women who were in some, and like <laughs> red flag unavailable, right? Yeah, or one night stands or just short term or just dating. And I realized that I was just playing the game of never letting my heart have access. Well, and sometimes I think we need to go through that like having been in that same place yeah where it's yeah, like you I know mean, or for me it's showed up a lot as like pursuing people who are geographically unavailable like that's there's all different ways that un unavailability can manifest for us but you know i had uh, a mentor who i was talking to about you know like i remember when i was going through that and being like i just i feel like i no matter what like i can't seem to connect with someone who's actually like in a place where they are available in the way that, like i need someone to be available and she was like well don't you think you've just been trying to keep yourself from getting hurt and i and it's such a simple idea but i was like oh yeah <laughs> Oh yeah. Like after, like after my last breakup, I think I, like I had to do that, you know, for like a year, year and a half. I had to just, even if I was going to date or I was going to pursue connection, I didn't want to go 
all in. I didn't want to. I wasn't ready to. I was too freaked out. I was too uncomfortable. I was too scared. And that's okay. Like, that's fine. Um, But just, you know, if we're doing it, we just want to be aware of it. Right. And just make sure that we're doing it with eyes open as opposed to being like, I don't know what it is. I just can't seem to find an available person. Yeah. I know for me, like with my when I got engaged, I thought that, you know, I would obviously faced a lot of feelings, but I was like, this just isn't my person. And that was interesting to like look back and identify the emotions and be able to see what was coming up for me. I just had so much anxiety and I felt really like I was creating a future Mm -hmm. that I didn't want. And that was okay. But what I see now is like on this greater perspective, I had this purpose to step into and I didn't know what it was. And I just knew that there was something greater calling me. And, you know, now I sit in a relationship that's fulfilling and challenging and I I am I am forced to receive really wonderful love and at the same time face my mirror, my bullshit, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, with someone who can communicate at an amazing level she's and is committed, and, you know, able to do those things. Just smoking. She's sexy. Well, to be able to now see like what is connection, right? Like what is, and I'm really seeing this beautiful balance between like, as Esther Perel talks about this balance between like mm-hmm. desire and love, like this, this balance yeah. between space and togetherness. Like this safety balance, and desire. And yeah. Because it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because it's kind of interesting that you could be walking down the street and be attracted to someone and be like, oh, wow. And then, you know, you might be around your partner a lot and be like not craving intimacy as much or whatever it is. And being like, there's really no like you're still attracted. They're still there. But there's something about the availability that Mm -hmm. kind of crushes desire sometimes. It's such a fascinating dance of which I actually just see as this balance of evolution versus I don't know another word, but more like um, aware or relational, like this relational awareness to say there's so much love here and desire can live within this Mm -hmm. space of safety. Because I, I think that we've evolved to sort of like not see peaceful, loving connection necessarily as this racy, mysterious love. Oh, yeah. It's nothing sexy about that. Right. But but it's only a matter of perspective. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember Esther well, Perel yeah. saying that all you have to do is realize that your partner can leave you at any moment and you've created yeah. desire. And I was like, Shit. yeah. Well, and this is something that I've been talking about a lot lately online and, and with people as well as, you know, the, the culturally we kind of look at qualities like kindness someone being respectful, you know, someone, uh, a connection that feels safe where there's understanding <laughs> and is, is it's like, well, that's not enticing, you know, or like, that's not as interesting or intriguing or yeah, they're attractive. Like, he texts me back a lot yeah. and he actually uh, so like, he told me he likes me. Ugh. It's like easy and gross. Um, and people and people are, you know, yes, is, is, can we say that there's some like, you know, biological ingraining that happens around like, yeah, being attracted to the chase or yeah, wanting someone who's like a certain distance away. But all it takes is the decision to be like, no, actually like kindness is attractive to me. (laughs) Like kindness is something that I really like how it feels when someone is kind to me or I see someone be kind to someone else. Like I really enjoy that experience of feeling like I'm with a good person and starting to shift that into like, it is a choice. 
it's a choice and we're not just wired one way or the other and you just have to deal with it. It's like, no, you decide like at a certain point I had to decide, you know, it doesn't work for me anymore. Yeah. Guys who only want to go halfway with me, guys who want to play games, guys who are lukewarm, like that is no longer attractive to me. This is a decision that I'm making. When I see that I go in the opposite direction and moving in the direction of whatever qualities or traits or, um, signs and signals that indicate that this person actually is more aligned with what you really want. Like mm. how can Amen. you possibly raise the fucking bar in that good? Isn't that good? Because you can't be in a lasting, meaningful partnership with someone that you can't trust with someone that you don't feel you can come to understanding with, especially because you're going to disagree with that person. So you better figure out a way to communicate effectively and with respect. Like I just feel like we're also up our own asses with a lot of this stuff, like really, really not thinking clearly about it. Because if we all want a relationship where it's like, I get to be completely myself and I get to feel like there's a sense of belonging and, and they understand me and I understand them and we're, we have fun together, but you know, it's like, okay, so if you want all those things, then you cannot choose to date someone who makes you feel insecure or who doesn't seem like they give a shit about you or who you see on some level as being above you. And therefore you have like weird issues about unworth, like you can't date those people. Because they don't align. Or even people below you. Oh, that's like, true, Like, the moment too. you put someone you think is below you, all of a sudden you've created another hierarchy, which you are above, and they're always needing to work on Ooh, themselves. that's a really, that's a good you. point. That's a good effing point. Well, I see that a lot where, I mean, at least in my experience, where it's like, well, he can't communicate, he can't do this. I'm like, man, love him where yeah. he's at. Like, right away, you've made him never. That's that feeling that I see a lot in heterosexual relationships of and again heteronormative but you get it the idea that like i just can never Mm -hmm. do enough and like no matter what i do it's not enough because there i think there's more of a like i remember having this conversation with kai when we were dating early where i was like i feel like you tell me what you want and then i give you what you want and then Mm -hmm. you change what you want and I was like, and I think you actually just want me to not be able yeah. to give you what you want. Like, I feel like you want the feeling rather than the actual satisfaction or the, or the mm-hmm. like feeling loved piece. And it was this really like interesting conversation of like, oh, wait, actually, maybe I am doing that. I'm on to you. Totally. Well, and there's also, I think something, and this was true for me for a really long time was not being comfortable in a relationship that didn't have chronic conflict. <laughs> you know yeah right like conflict is connection absolutely or yeah or like um yeah you know what feels really exciting and helps me feel closer to someone getting into like a really stupid fight with them (laughs) like i'm being i'm being (laughs) (laughs) yeah i had a girlfriend who asked if i had ever thrown anything at anyone and i was like no and i was like have you she's like i threw a shoe once i was like this doesn't seem right. She was like, because if you get in good fights, you can have sex. I was like, can't you just have good sex? Why do you have to fight? But that's the thing, right? Is it's like a lot of, a lot of our like internal wiring will is, is not comfortable with like peace and relaxation and ease with a partner where like, this should be really hard and complicated. Yeah. In which case, like, then it's all, all bets are off. Yeah. Bring it on. Well, I, I I mean, I really, 
what I think is important for people to, to understand is that's where we formally may have observed our families or our parents or whatever, even a previous relationship connect through conflict Mm -hmm. instead of through intimacy. And so we just have it backwards on how to create connections. We might start a fight or an argument to see that they love us instead of actually just seeing that they love us. And that's the, it's never enough feeling. I think that the other partner gets in, And what I've also seen, too, is that that chemistry piece, that like part that chases Mm -hmm. the unavailable or chases whatever is Mm -hmm. is wound chemistry. And so it's chemistry that's driven by wounds. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I just made that up. Just I don't know if I just did. Someone might be like, no, I made that up. I'm like, cool, whatever. But but this idea that we're like drawn by pain first till we have the self-awareness to say. That's my wound choosing that person. And what you were saying, like kindness and respect and all these different things are actually the characteristics I chase. So I'm actually going to stop chasing the other thing, which, man, that on a cellular level feels hard because it's evolutionary. So it actually our nervous system responds to not doing it. It's an addiction. And so when we stop that, we might feel Mm -hmm. like a part Mm -hmm. of us is dying, Mm -hmm. like we're quitting cigarettes or we're quitting drugs or whatever, because Mm -hmm. people are drugs and conflict are drugs. (laughs) Conflict conflict is drugs, whatever the right terms. You get it. (laughs) You didn't pronounce that. So, but then being able to see like that we have to, (laughs) right. There's, but but being able to see that we actually have to (sighs) let go of what we used to do and create space for what we want. It's hard. And it's so funny because like, as you're saying this, I'm having all these like flashbacks to, I make the joke a lot that like any guy that I dated (laughs) in my like early to mid twenties, he deserves like a really long handwritten apology. And I have apologized to the vast majority of them, but Oh my God. I was the girlfriend from hell. And like, I, it, it wasn't on purpose. I mean, I was also great, but like, I mean, everything that you're talking about, you know, like I remember one time ruining a weekend because my boyfriend at the time got pasta sauce with olives in it. And I didn't like olives you, but you would think that he had like, you know, ran over my cat or something like that. Like I, it's like, it wasn't about the pasta sauce. It was about all these other things, but I did not have the emotional understanding of myself or yeah, or like my wounds or my patterns or whatever to be able to pause in that moment and be like, wow, I'm having a really huge reaction to this fucking pasta. Like, yeah. Like, I don't think this is about olives. Like, what is this really about? Maybe I, instead of us like fighting about this for 48 hours, maybe I can figure out what I'm actually feeling here and communicate that feeling in a way so that he can respond and, ha- and we can figure this out together so that we don't have to have this fight for another year and a half. You know, it's like, you just don't know what you don't know at that point in time. Like I didn't know. So, so for the people listening, Below the olive pasta sauce. Oh my gosh, because you say you pasta. Say. So pasta, we yeah. call it, which is, I think, a butchering of Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is a butchering of it. I get it, but don't worry about it. You guys aren't even on <laughs> Celsius yet, so that's your issue. So we have, so we have this like, I'm mad about the pasta sauce because what the pasta sauce means to me is that you don't what? In my mind, it was like, you don't know me at all. You don't know me. You don't, yeah, you don't understand me. You don't listen to me. You don't think about what my preferences are. And was that true in a lot of other aspects of your relationship or at least in your experience? No. (laughs) No. 
Wow. So had you felt let down from a previous partner that you were looking for that evidence? Like, where'd it come from? I'm intrigued. No, I don't even, I don't even think it, I don't think it was that deep. I think I, my primary um, mode of achieving intimacy with partners at that point in time was to pick fights so that we could have this like back and forth connection. So there could be this kind of like come down effect where I got to feel closer to the person. Like, is that a pun? Is that a pun? <laughs> so we can come up, we can yeah, come down. Come no, down. but you know, so it was like this like peak Valley kind of thing that I really liked to be in. And that, you know, stems from like parental relationships and like wiring from watching lots of like shitty romantic movies and stuff and too many Taylor Swift songs and all that. <laughs> you know, I think, and also we could argue, I mean, to really go deep into this, like my personality type, if you know, I'm on the Enneagram, I'm a four and like the individualist, like our number one thing is like, nobody really gets me, you know, and like nobody ever will get me. And that's like, and that's both like our favorite things about ourselves and our least favorite things about ourselves. So, so is that the trigger though, from like, I'm guessing from childhood or from a previous relationship of, of like not feeling prioritized or known or probably. Understood. I mean, probably. Yeah. yeah. Like I think, and I think it's also like, you know, I think a, something saying something, believing something like that, and then putting that on another person, like, you don't know me at all. You don't understand me at all. I think it's also a form of like, you know, a security blanket that we kind of, that for me, like I used to, What's a familiar yeah, story, to like yeah. keep myself separate. You know what I mean? To be like, Oh, he doesn't really get me. He doesn't know me. He doesn't understand me. And it, it, well, I always like to get into the Byron Katie though. I just you know, saw her last back. night. <laughs> like you hung out with her? Uh, no, I, well, I went, she had a book event uh, for her new book, A Mind at Home with Itself. And I went to the book event. She was doing the work with people. Yeah. Did she call you out like she usually does? No, no. Well, she called other people no. out. I kept my hand down. I didn't have anything to say last night. Yeah, good yeah. call. But yeah, you know, it's interesting because if you think of like for the people listening of like he doesn't get me or she doesn't get me, she doesn't know me, which, you know, when we actually look at Byron Katie has a thing called the work for the people listening. Well, I'll post it in the show notes that that we would then go like, do you 100 percent know that to be yeah. true? And of course, like we can never really know that to be true. Mm -hmm. Like most things we can't know to be true. So just to <laughs> help everyone with that. one, And then and then we go to. How does it make you feel believing is yeah. true? And so like in your experience of that, just to help people out listening, yeah. how would that have made you feel? Oh, it's like, true? oh, I feel um, like we were saying, like I feel misunderstood or I feel alone or I feel like when I believe that thought, he doesn't know me at all. I feel insignificant. I feel like I don't matter. And then how do we treat them? Yeah, exactly. Then it's like, okay, so then I attack, I push away. I make him my enemy. I, um will do things, you know, on like a subconscious level, like I'll do things to make that true. You know, like I'll, I'll prove to him like, oh, you don't know me. Isn't that crazy that we yeah. do that? Right. Like, and then I love the flips. Oh, it's the best. Right? That's like it's where the like money he is. He doesn't know me at yeah. all. So then what is it? Uh, it could be, I don't, I don't know, I don't him, know at him at all. I don't know me at all. You could also do, he does understand me. He does know me. And you look for, you know, three examples of evidence to support all of those truths. To just kind of show how I love like Byron she's Katie. my favorite. She's fucking unreal. I mean, I have my grievances with her too, but we don't need to get into that. But I, I think <laughs> yeah. I think the work is an amazing tool because it just shows us how full of shit we are most of the time. Oh my god. <laughs> we create meaning with everything and everything through a filter of beliefs, right? Like cognitive behavioral yeah. therapy. 
you know, so it's through this filter of what I believe, what's the action, what's the belief, and then what's the consequence. Yeah. But to be able to see, like, if if you're looking for evidence for anything, you're going to fucking for find sure. it. Because that's what we do as humans, you know? And it's like, we sit in that and we like, he doesn't know me. What does that do? That gives us protection. Just like it's hard to date mm-hmm. in New York. It's hard to mm-hmm. date in L.A. That just makes it so you never have to be able yeah. to date. You never have to be open. You have to blame it on the dating culture rather than take responsibility mm-hmm. for how you date. That's a whole mm-hmm. different thing. And that's why I love your work. That's why I love you. Because it, it really is like, this isn't about yeah. them. Like it's all take responsibility for your yeah. fucking side. And I say that with such love because I have so much compassion for not doing it because I spent the majority of my early dating life not taking oh, responsibility. Oh, completely. And it's like, and I'm, yeah, that's something I think um, that I didn't intend to infuse all of my work with, but it's literally been the only way out of my own BS, right? Was was yeah. to really stop looking at other people, stop making it about the pasta stop, stop making it about him, you know, and to really be like, I get well, it though. The Italian. Uh, no, absolutely like not. And it, but you know, it's also like, you can't, I think another big thing for anyone who is listening, who's like, wow, yeah, I really need to like, a lot of times I say you have to get hip to your own BS or you have to get onto yourself, you know, like it got, it got to a point and I was lucky to have, you know, I was working with a therapist at the time who helped me see so much of the stuff. And I'm lucky to have friends who call me out and I'm lucky to have very supportive family members who are willing to listen to me and tell me the truth. But you can't do it by yourself. You know, like you, it's really, really hard to slash impossible. And especially if you're just in a place where you're realizing, you know, like, I think this might have something to do with me. (laughs) I don't think this is all their fault. Like you really do need someone on the outside or someone's on the outside who can help you figure out like, well, what's really going on? You know, like what is motivating that? And why did you have that reaction? And what are you really afraid of? And what were you thinking when you said that? Because, that's the only way that you start growing this new level of awareness and compassion and empathy for yourself to be like, whoa, like now, you know, there was a time probably where this is so funny that this argument about the pasta sauce is like coming up again, but, but like, (laughs) maybe, I don't know, but, um, he, you know, there was a point in time where I really would have felt a lot of like shame and guilt over that. And now I get to look back on it and just be like, Oh my God, you know, like that poor girl, <laughs> you know, like, man, no, she didn't get it. She was so like insecure and upset and didn't even know like why or how. And, and the poor guy, you know, like it just, you get to look at yourself and realize like, well, I was really, really lost and confused. And none of that was my fault. Like, I think that's the difference here is like taking ownership. Isn't about blaming yourself and shaming yourself. It's about freeing yourself and being yeah, and that's, yeah. yeah. And that's, Amen. I think a really important piece. Cause I think that's another reason people don't want to step into the space of I'm playing a big part in this. I'm playing the biggest part in this is because then all of our past failures become our fault. And we have to take this uncomfortable responsibility. And I'm saying, no, 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 no. You get to actually look at what was really happening in those moments and realize that you never intended for any of that shit to happen, but you played an integral role in it. And you don't have to play that role anymore if you don't want to. Well, and we often, like you said, have so much shame and guilt about it. Like I look at past relationships and how, you know, like being a guy who just didn't know that yeah. he didn't want anyone to love him. Like 
I didn't know that, you know, I didn't know why I was drinking what I was drinking and like having one night stands and misleading people or like dating casually and never wanting a relationship. I mean, there's a deep level of compassion I have to have for myself because I was hurting mm -hmm. so much on a deeper level that I didn't even know mm -hmm. that I didn't know, <laughs> you know, like there's, you know, and that's, I, there was a lot of times where I would meet people who were behaving the way I used to mm -hmm. behave and I would judge them. And then I saw, oh my God, it's just because I haven't actually Ugh. forgiven myself, you know, to say like, that guy's being a whatever. And it's like, yeah. wow, that guy's, you know, <laughs> like that guy's the former version of myself. And how can Absolutely. I ever meet those people where they're at when I haven't yeah. even loved who I was? Well, and, and that's a, I mean, I feel emotional thinking about it because there's a deep sense of compassion and pain for choices I've made, but that doesn't mean I haven't let it go. It just means that that pain is teaching me. I don't think heartbreak necessarily yeah. ever goes away. Like we don't look back and say that feeling yeah. no longer is emotional. It's more like, like you said, if we take responsibility for everything that happened, it's pretty hard to take responsibility mm -hmm. for some things, you know? So that's why I often say to people like, it's not your fault what happened, but it's responsibility yeah. what you do with it. And, and that way you could say like forgiveness or letting go, which is such an elusive thing, right? Like you can be sitting, having coffee with a friend or read a quote. And all of a sudden you let go of something that has nothing to do with mm -hmm. anything that you thought was relevant to the moment. And that's why it's like forgiveness and letting go isn't saying what happened is okay. Ugh. It's saying I'm okay with what happened. Yeah. Which is, I mean, still like we have to grow into it. We have to learn the skill. You know, I had to learn the skills that I didn't have when my heart got yeah. broken young, you know, to have boundaries, to have to grow into yeah. who that man is today to say how you're yeah. behaving is not okay. What's happening isn't okay. I have a little boy in here who mm. needs to be honored. And, and that's a, you know, that's a big, it's, it, it, and, you know, there's the aphrodisiac yeah. of boundaries. Right. Like I remember the first time I said to a girl, like how you're being is not okay. She was like, Oh my yeah. God. Like, well, oh. this is the thing is like the number of times, like once I realized like, Oh, setting boundaries, <laughs> like frees me and it frees them or setting boundaries uh, lets me say, okay, like, no, this is actually how I do things. And then the number of people who would be like, Oh, okay. I can do things that way. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, totally. Oh, I, Oh, okay they're like oh thanks for telling me what you need i didn't mean to make you a doormat um, you're the one who laid the that's i think one of my favorite lessons from byron katie actually is like she's such a huge uh proponent and teacher of of ask for what you need literally to the point where like you can look at your partner and say can you just tell me that you love me and just hold me for a few minutes right now yeah. And like to a lot of, you know, so many, how many fights have we all had and stuff, you know, in relationships where it's like, oh, I just want him to tell me that he loves me. I just want him to fucking hold me. Like, why isn't he doing that? And it's like, well, have you asked him to? <laughs> and people, there's this idea of like, he should just know, or it should just be happening. And if he does, he loves And if he does, he, right? like if he reads my mind. Yeah. Yes. When I think a lot of that is this, you know, not to get deep into it because, you know, of time. Yeah. But I think a lot of that is I want them to finally give me the thing that my father never gave me or that like I want them to stand up mm -hmm. for me to mm -hmm. me whatever because no one has ever done yeah. that or very few people have done that I think that's a lot of the like testing that we do of like is he strong enough to make me feel safe yeah what's that this is Cheryl Crow song isn't it he's strong enough to be my man to be my, my god that's a it's great a really song good song too. and it's like very soulful <laughs> It is, man. She's a good yeah. singer. I think she's Canadian. No way. Look at that. Oh, yeah. Good for her. 
she might not be. I could have yeah. just claimed that. Um, um, you know, yeah. Um, okay. So yeah. I love all of this. It was amazing. I'm going to uh, link out everything that we talked about to peeps out there. And I think it's so important that people find out where your brilliance Mark. is on the internet. Yeah. On this planet. So please tell, tell the people. Love. Thank tell you so people. much for having me. This is so cool. I can't wait to listen back. So you can find me, um, if you want to learn more about my coaching work or read any of my blog posts, you can go to amyyoungcoaching.com, all one word. And if you want to watch my YouTube videos um, and be a part of my online community over there, it is youtube.com slash user slash Amy Young Coaching. <laughs> if you just search Amy Young Coaching or Amy Young on YouTube, oh, it's all there. It, just click the links. It's in the little box. Yeah, do that. That always what will happen. And, and where else? You've got your website on there. you got your Twitter. Yeah. Instagram is Amy Young Co. You can find. And what about if they want to contact you? Email? Uh, Email's best. Absolutely. Uh, Which is amy at amyyoungcoaching.com. Perfect. That's unique. That's a great, great, great email. Yeah. So yeah. Thanks so much for being on here. Thanks so much for um, giving your time, which is of course the greatest gift we can give. So I appreciate that. And um, so much fun. And I, man, I can't wait. There is just so much happening. There I know. I feel like we covered. I think we went all over. We covered and, a lot of ground. Know, the end message of this episode is get your mouth on some video <laughs> jam. That's what needs to happen. I've got to link out that video, guys, because it's so funny. I was almost being. Yeah, wait to watch it. Um, so thank you, Amy. I appreciate you. Thank you, Mark. Thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the podcast. If you really enjoyed this, please consider sharing the episode with your friends. And if not, just sharing the podcast itself, because everybody is interested in relationships, whether they admit it or not. So you'll be doing them a favor. I would love your feedback. You can just head to my website, markgroves.tv, like television, to leave a comment for the podcast. Join me next time as we find out what it is that makes humans amazing lovers. <laughs>